you have a Bible, and I hope you do. The beauty of the gospel is that God has saved us. He's freed us from the power and the penalty of sin. He's put us in Christ, who's now our life. So we gather together, surrender our lives, say, our lives are yours, and we're your servants. It's not a radical version of Christianity. This is biblical Christianity. It's what it means to be a follower of Christ. We don't call the shots. He calls the shots. The Radical Together Podcast, with teaching from David Platt. Welcome back to another episode of the Radical Together Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, you can listen to all the previous episodes at Radical.net or by subscribing on iTunes. Today's message is the first in a two-part sermon from Psalm 67 entitled, The Ultimate Disconnect. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, to open with me to Psalm chapter 67. Psalm chapter 67. February 5th, 2006 was my second Sunday preaching in this church. I was just filling in at that point. And I preached a sermon on this psalm entitled The Ultimate Disconnect. And the reason I preached this psalm is because it quite possibly more than any other chapter in the Bible has shaped my understanding of my life and my family and God's purpose for all of our lives in this world. I'll never forget the place where I was sitting. I can picture it in my mind when I first heard this psalm taught and the way God used this psalm to turn my life in a totally different way trajectory. I I really can't overemphasize the impact this psalm has had on my life. So when I was looking through the different psalms we were reading together as a church over the last week, I knew I wanted to preach Psalm 67. But the beauty is, I really didn't realize until this last week how much this psalm so clearly and powerfully coincides with Psalm 66 before it and Psalm 68 after it. So, as many of you know, we're in week three of our immersion in the Psalms as a faith family over a period of about six weeks. Every Sunday, we're looking at different Psalms and different worship gatherings, oftentimes with different preachers. So, last Sunday, I preached Psalm 51 at 9 o'clock, and then Pastor Jim preached Psalm 52 at 11 o'clock. Pastor Matt preached Psalm 57 at 6 o'clock. If you haven't had a chance to do so, let me encourage you maybe to go back and listen to the sermons that you didn't hear. I've had numerous people from different worship gatherings just come up to me and say, I just wish everybody in the church could have heard that. And it was so cool to see how even they fit together. Psalm 51, God's mercy covering over our sin in the first gathering. The last gathering, Psalm 57, God's mercy comforting us in suffering. And then right in the middle, this picture of God's faithfulness and steadfast love. So let me encourage you to go back and listen to those different psalms. But then this week happens to be the week when Jim and Matt are both out of town. So I got all three worship gatherings with three different psalms, but this is a good week for it. So in the nine o'clock gathering, I had the pure joy of preaching Psalm 66. And I would just encourage you. I don't like recommending my preaching, but 
less for my preaching, more for the word and for the effect of the word in our nine o'clock gathering this morning. And you'll see what I mean if you listen to it because my voice won't be the only voice you're hearing. There were many, many voices just, just shouting out in praise to God throughout that song. It was glorious. And so it's the kind of, the, all right, do I need to move on? But yeah, I cannot preach Psalm 67. Like this is glorious too. So, and Lord willing, we'll explore Psalm 68 tonight at six o'clock. And what I'm so excited about is not how just these Psalms fit together with each other, which they do, but how they coincide with what we just prayed for. So it is no accident that we would be in Psalm 66, 67, and 68 on the day when we commission out 30 missionaries from our faith family to go to the nations with the gospel. So the Lord has orchestrated all of this. So we're going to look at Psalm 67 now. If you want to come back at 6, we'll dive into Psalm 68. And then I would encourage you to, to go listen just to what God did among us through Psalm 66 at 9 o'clock. So Psalm 67, we're going to read it together. And then I want, to, I want us to pray that God would teach us and transform us through this psalm. That in the next few moments, that God might set our lives in a totally different trajectory and I know that's a bold statement but well you'll see this psalm psalm 67 verse 1 may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth your saving power among all nations let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. Oh God. God, we, we sit with your word open all around this room. And we pray, and God, we pray that you would bring it alive in this room. You would take these words on a page and just God that by your grace your power your spirit that you would sink these words into our minds and our hearts like lodge them deeply we pray Lord I know how you have used this psalm in my life in my family in every facet of my life family God I pray that you would use this psalm in that kind of way even over the next few moments I ask that no one, you can't manufacture that. Only your spirit can do that. So we pray that your spirit would do that in this room today. Your spirit would speak powerfully. And you would transform our lives, this church, through your word right now, we pray. And pray these things in Jesus' name that you may be glorified. Amen. Okay, the psalm is simple. It contains one primary overarching truth. And it is a truth 
that is absolutely critical to understanding Christianity, to understanding the purpose of your life in this world. So here's the truth. You might, you might write it down. Here's the truth, one primary overarching truth in Psalm 67. Here it is. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. So I'll say it one more time. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. He blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. So let's unpack that together. God blesses his people. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. This is a petition that's based on a high priestly blessing in Numbers 6, 22 through 24 that we read just a few weeks ago in our Bible reading. People would go to the priest and the priest would bless them saying, may May God be gracious to you and bless you and cause his face to shine upon you. So you just think about what this prayer means. What this prayer means in your life, my life. May God be gracious to you and me, us. May God show you a sinner who has rebelled against him May he show you unmerited love and undeserved compassion. May may God not only not give you what you do deserve, judgment, but may God give you what you don't deserve, mercy. May God, whom you have offended in your sin, I have offended in my sin, may he be gracious to you and may God bless you not curse you not condemnation before God but blessing from God may he bless you with kindness and love and provision and then hear this may God make his face to shine upon you how do you like that may the light of God's face shine upon you Picture, may the smile of the God of the universe be on you. Now, some people ask, is this talking about spiritual blessing or physical, material blessing? And it seems in the text that the answer is yes. Certainly, this signifies spiritual blessing, the gift of God's grace, the light of God's face. But then you get down to verse 6, and the psalmist says, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. And this increase on the earth clues us in to how the psalmist is referring here to God's blessing on the land, most likely at harvest time. So there's a picture here, not just of spiritual blessing, but of physical material blessing also. So this is a prayer for comprehensive blessing from God. But then notice that after this first verse, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, there's a pause, not a period. It's it's not, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, then 
close the sentence and move on to something else. No, the, the thought is incomplete. Yes, pause, which is what that word salah means over there, the side of the, the column there. It's a pause, like it's a musical term that was, okay, pause, let this soak in. So pause, then keep going. And the most important word in the psalm is the first word of verse 2. That. That. There's a lot of important words in this psalm, but I think that's the most important. Because apparently there is a purpose behind God's blessing. God blesses his people that, so that something else might happen. And what is that something else? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his fine face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. That all the earth might know the way of God. That God's saving power might be made known among all the nations. And then the psalmist just goes on to erupt. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And just in case you don't get the point in verse 3, it says the exact same thing in verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. And peoples, we don't necessarily in normal language use that word all the time, peoples. But what does that mean? Well, that word peoples refers to tribes and clans and ethnic groups in the world. So, so the Israelites were God's people. But you had all kinds of other different peoples, Canaanites, Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites, Moabites, a bunch of other ites and other peoples. Scholars today have identified over 11,000 distinct peoples, people groups. Some say over 16,000 different people groups in the world that share common language and cultural characteristics. Now here in the language of the Old Testament, the psalmist uses Three different Hebrew words for peoples and nations in this passage, as if to say, God aims to be praised by all of them. From the north to the south, from the east to the west, from the rich to the poor, the young to the old, urban to the rural, in every tribe, every language, among every ethnic group to the ends of the earth, may they all, may they all praise you. And that is why the psalmist prays for the blessing of God. He knows that God blesses his people for a purpose. And that purpose is his praise among all peoples. David will be back in just a minute, but I want to take a short break and ask you to consider giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. This special offering taken once a year provides nearly 60% of the International Mission Board's annual income. And when you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, 100% of your gifts go to supporting Southern Baptist missionaries all over the world. For more information, visit imb.org slash offering. I also want to tell you about a Bible study resource from Lifeway and David Platt based on his latest book, Counterculture. In the Counterculture Bible Study, we see biblical foundations to following Jesus even when our faith contradicts our culture. To find out more about the Counterculture Bible Study, go to lifeway.com slash counterculture. Now here's David with the rest of today's message. That purpose, Psalm 67, 1 and 2, is all over the Bible. Starting, so hold your place here and I want you to turn back with me to Genesis chapter 12. So I want to take you on a bit of a tour. We're not going to have time to turn to all these places. We'll turn to two of them, the first one and the last one, and then I'll take you on a little bit of a tour in between. But I want you to see Genesis chapter 12, so first book in the Bible, 12th chapter, I want you to see that Psalm 67 does not stand alone 
in this idea. That this, this truth that you've written down, that God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples, is actually a summary of the story of the Bible. Let me show it to you. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. When God, this is the beginning of the people of Israel. Abraham, who was the father of the people of Israel. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever dishonors you, I will curse. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So do you see it? That praise you've got written, that, that sentence you've got written down, that truth is what Genesis 12, 1 through 3 is all about. God is blessing his people here. God's saying to Abram, not because Abram deserves it, he was an idolater. Living in a foreign land, he's an idolater. And God comes to him and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into people. This is extravagant blessing that he's pouring out on Abraham. I'm going to bless you. I'm not going to curse you in your sin. I'm going to bless you. And the result will be, all the families, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a conduit of my blessing. So I'm going to bless you, not period, but I'm going to bless you. Pause so that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So that's, what, that's how the people of Israel start. Well, Abraham has a son. Anybody know his son's name? audience participation part of our program uh, I won't make you. all right Isaac Isaac's his son I don't call you out in Bible trivia sorry shouldn't have done that so Abraham Isaac Genesis so this way we, we don't have time to turn but you might write down Genesis chapter 26 verse 4 God says the same thing to Isaac he says to Isaac I'm going to bless you Isaac and through you all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed I'm going to pour out my blessing on you and your family all the nations are going to be blessed Isaac has a son his name is Jacob Genesis chapter 28 verse 14 God says to Jacob now you got to remember when God says this to Jacob Jacob's a single guy at this point and God says to him you're going to have family like the stars of the sky. Your descendants are going to spread out to the east and the west and north and the south. And he said, through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So a single guy here is, I'm going to have descendants like the numerous stars in the sky. He's like, I want a wife. And he says, I'm going to give you more than a wife. I'm going to give you kids everywhere. And through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Extravagant blessing for God's extravagant purpose. That's the picture we see set up in the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis at God, as God's pouring out his blessing on the patriarchs. Then you turn the pages to the next book, Exodus chapter 14, verse 4. God delivers his people out of Egypt where they were slaves. He delivers them. Then he brings them. So think about this with me. He brings them to the edge of the Red Sea where they've got this body of water in front of them and an Egyptian army about to overtake them behind them. That's not good military strategy. You don't run into a dead end if an army's about to overtake you. So why did God lead his people to the edge of the Red Sea where they've got this body of water and the Egyptians are about to overtake them? He did it, Exodus 14, 4 says, so that he would gain glory for himself among the Egyptians. He would split that sea in half. He'd send his people through on dry land. They'd look in their rearview mirrors and they'd see the water come crashing down on the Egyptians. And he said, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. He blessed his people for his glory, his praise among all the peoples. He's making himself known. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. 
Just, just start, when, as, we, as you think about stories in the Bible, just start asking the question, why? Why is God doing what he's doing? Deuteronomy 4, God gives his people his word, his commandments, his law. Why? Why did God give his people his commandments? Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 8 says he gave them his commandments so that when they followed his commandments, they would show the goodness and the wisdom of God to the nations around them. God gave them his law for the sake of his praise among the nations around them. You keep going into uh, Joshua chapter 5 and 6. We've talked about this before. It's what we're kind of looking forward to as we're walking through the, with the people of God through the wilderness in Numbers right now in our daily Bible reading. Well, there's coming a day, Joshua 5 and 6, where they're going to finally get to the edge of the promised land. Joshua's going to lead the people into the promised land. First major city in the promised land is Jericho, the city with massive walls all the way around it. We've talked about how they had five military options available to them on that day. They could go over the walls. They could go under the walls. They could try to break through the walls. They could send a decoy in, uh, kind of like a Trojan horse type thing, or they could starve the people inside the walls and make them come out. And so God, Joshua's one day, Joshua 5, 13, he's off by himself. He's wondering, okay, what's the battle plans? How am I going to lead this army in? He's thinking through his options. God comes down to him and says, here's the battle plans. He's thinking, all right, over, under, through, send the decoy in, starve him out. And God says, I want you to get your trumpet players and uh, pull out some sheet music and play some songs. And you're going to play some songs for a few days. And then one day, uh, here's the kicker, you're going to shout really loud and the walls will just fall down and you'll take the city. That's weird. Like if, you, if, you, if you're Joshua, you're wanting a second opinion at this point. Like you're about to go back to an army that's been training for an entire generation for war and they're ready and you're going to go back to them and say, uh, we're turning over to the music guys today. Uh, no offense to the music guys, but we're, we're turning over to the trumpeters and... Uh, and so why, why did God design this battle plan for the first major city in the promised land? He did it because he's what he's doing throughout scripture. He's orchestrating the events of his people so that in the end, only he will get the glory for what happens. I mean, he, you read Joshua 6, this is exactly what happens. They do, do what God said. The walls come down. They take the city of Jericho. Let me tell you what you don't see at the end of Joshua 6. You don't see all the people of God going up to the trumpet players telling them what an incredible job they did that day. Ralph, I've never heard you play that well. Harry, you hit the high C. It was awesome. We went running in. No, you see the people on their faces saying only God could have done this. He's blessing his people in extravagant ways for the spread of his glory among all the peoples. So that's, and you just, story after story after story. You think about stories you're familiar with. In Daniel 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into a fiery furnace. Why? Why would God let three Hebrew boys who were standing up in worship of him be thrown into a fiery furnace? If that's all the story we know, we miss the point. Until we get to end, Daniel 3, 28 and 29, that's the point. Because when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego spend some time in a fiery furnace and come out on the other side without a drop of sweat on their brow, the king declares, a pagan king declares that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is worthy of praise because he's able to save his people. Extravagant blessing for extravagant glory. Same thing in Daniel 6 when Daniel's having his quiet time every morning and he gets thrown into a lion's den for that. How does that make you feel? You have a quiet time, right? Being a den of lions. Why? Why did God do this? Well, the answer is not to the end of the story. Daniel's thrown in this lion's den, spends the night with some hungry lions, but they don't eat him. He comes out the next morning, some other guys get thrown in. Why? So that Daniel 6, 25 and 26 tells us that a pagan king declares the God of Daniel deserves the worship of people all throughout this land because he's able to save his people. He's blessing his people for the sake of his praise among all the peoples. So this is stories in the Old Testament. This is Psalms in the Old Testament. We know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Why? 
for his name's sake. Why does God guide you? Why does God lead you? He leads you for the for the sake of his name. Same thing two ch- chapters later, Psalm 25, 11. We read this a few weeks ago. For the sake of your name, oh God, th- forgive me of my sin. For the sake of your name, do this. So it's the Psalms, it's the prophets. It's, it's Isaiah 43, when God says to his people, just some of the most glorious, beautiful words from God to his people in all the Old Testament. Fear not, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'm gonna be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned because I'm the Lord your God and you are precious. You are honored in my sight and I love you. Just, oh, blessing, blessing, blessing. Then you get down to verse seven and he says, you're the people whom I have created for my glory. So I'm loving you for my glory. You, you get to Ezekiel. This may be clearest. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 22 and 23. God's recounting what he's done among his people, what he's doing among his people in the present. And he says to them, listen to these words from God to his people. He says, it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am doing these things, that I'm showing you grace and loving discipline. It's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm doing these, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, the name you have profaned among the nations, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. God literally says to his people, when I work among you, it's not for your sake. It's for my name's sake among the nations. He's blessing his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. You say, well, that's just Old Testament God. No difference with New Testament God, same God. There's no coincidence when we get to the end of each of these gospel accounts, the life of Jesus, we see him saying, now go and make disciples of all the nations. He's died on a cross. He's risen from the grave. The blessing of God and the salvation of man. He says, make it known among all the peoples. Mark 16, 15, go and preach the good news to all creation. Luke 24, 47 through 49 teaches us that Jesus died on a cross so that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached in all the nations. Luke picks that story up in Acts chapter one when he writes, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You think about this. Why? Talking about extravagant grace, God has put his spirit in you, in his people. He has put his spirit in his people. That's, talking about that. What greater blessing there can there be than the spirit of God in you? Why has he blessed us like this? So that we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter one, verse eight says. And that's exactly what we see happening in the rest of the New Testament. This is Paul. He says, Galatians 1. God was pleased to reveal his son in me so that, so here he's connecting it. He said, God's pleased to save me from my sins so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, among the nations. That's why he says in Romans chapter 15, my ambition is to make the gospel known where it's not been heard. There's other peoples that aren't praising God and God's called me to go to them. He's called us as a church to go to them, which is why, okay, now last place, turn over to Revelation chapter seven. Revelation chapter seven. So you got the beginning of the Bible that starts off with God's blessing on his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. You're going to be a conduit of my blessing to the ends of the earth. Well, look where the whole story ends. That's how the story begins. The whole story ends, Revelation chapter 7, last book in the Bible, verse 9, where where the Bible says, after this I looked. And behold, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is 
the purpose of all history is to bring all peoples, people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. God has blessed his people with extravagant blessing for the sake of his glory among all peoples. This is the all-consuming, final, ultimate, glorious, global purpose of God. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all people. So that's the truth. It's cover to cover in scripture, just so beautifully portrayed in Psalm 67. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. For other free resources from David Platt, including those in other languages, visit Radical.net. And if you'd like more information on the International Mission Board, visit imb.org. And as always, we hope you'll join us next time for more teaching from David, right here on the Radical Together podcast.